0: Perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
1: Hi, checking in for
0: or the perfect table.
1: Hey, where are you? Coming!
0: And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card,
1: hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel? It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast.
0: Join late-night legend Jon Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Protect yourself and stop handing over your personal data on your daily devices. Visit ExpressVPN.com slash and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. ExpressVPN.com slash Rappaport. The time has come. Yes. The I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast in New York with Mr. New York and the King of New York, Charles Oakley. New York Nick Legend. He has his first book out, The Last Enforcer, which is a great, easy, fun insightful, back-down memory lane read about his life, his career, um, forward by the guy, um, what's his name? Uh, He's got the the sneakers. The the sneakers guy. Jordan. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. that guy. And uh, Frankie uh, Frankie Isola. And it's a great book. And I want all New York Knicks fans, all NBA fans, to buy the book, especially New York Toronto Raptors fans. Everybody's like, I love Oak. I love Oak. I love... Buy the book, learn about the book, um, read about Charles Oakley's life, and um, it's a great book, and I appreciate you coming on, Oak.
1: Thanks for having me. I know we didn't talk during the Big Three. You had an event. You invited me out. I show you a lot of love. Thanks for the love.
0: Of, Oak, listen, I don't even know where to start. I mean, <laughs> you know, as a New Yorker, I speak on behalf of all New York Knicks fans. Thank you. The era that you played with the Knicks, you know, it's – it's crazy because it's, it's, you came to the garden in 88, 88. Yep. I mean, this is over 30 years ago. Yeah. Which is wild. You know, it's, it, it bugs me out when I say that and it, it must bug you out. I'll tell the, the the audience a story. I remember I was going to the six train on 77th street in uh Manhattan. Right. Uh, as I was getting ready to go downstairs, you were across the street Charles Oakley, who, you know, stood out. It was springtime or, you know, close to summer. summer yeah. And Oakley was diagonally across the street. I said, Yo, Oak, what do you do in New York? And he said, I just got traded here. You came to New York. Obviously, you were with uh, the Michael Jordan-led Chicago Bulls. Um, I mean, in your your career, your life, what you you mean to basketball fans, I, I can't say enough about it. Um I'll start with this. You know. When did becoming a professional basketball player become a reality to you?
1: Oh, good question. Uh, I know I went to college. Uh, Virginia,
0: Virginia Union.
1: Uh Historic college in 1981 to 85. I never knew that I had a chance to make him pro probably to my, my senior year.
0: Did you want to be a professional basketball Like, What did you think I, when
1: you were I, going to Virginia Union? I didn't know. I'm just going to school, go to school for four years. Were you a
0: high school All-American?
1: I was all of that, but I still went to a small school, and I played football and basketball. But When I got to Union, it was just like, you know, it was in the South, and, you know, I think playing football was they had to get like 5 in the morning. I'm used to getting up, but 80 degrees, 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, then basketball. I couldn't do both. I wasn't. I was built for a lot of things, but I wasn't built to do two things like that. But um, I just I just focused on basketball. What
0: and position did you play football? Defense end. I, I knew it. Golly, defense can you imagine Charles Oakley <laughs> coming after you on the blind side, arms up, six foot nine, six eight, six nine. Golly, but uh, you know I had a
1: great four years, and then as time went by, you know my last year I averaged twenty four and seventeen. And and scouts and stuff started looking at me because, like I said, you know, when you got numbers. They gonna look and see if you got any potential. So they had to go together. So I guess I had both. I got invited to the PIT. What is that? Portsmouth International. Okay. In, tournament and um and like, it's in like Virginia. It's but it's in Portsmouth, Virginia.
0: And what is that?
1: What is that? It's a tournament that lower level guys go to to try to get a chance to go to the East and West All Star Game. Okay. Other, other tournaments. Um so I did well in that. I got invited to the East and West All Star Game. Then after that I got invited to the Hawaii classic. And um I'm playing against the, the cream of the crop. Who was there at that time? It was everybody Bobby Heard, I think, you know, Conkite, I think uh, Xavier um, Joe Dumar, I mean, said all these top, these are like the top 20 guys gonna get drafted that year. So I was like, you know, invited because just to see, because I played well in the PIT. So after that, I went to the Hawaii class at, you know, Big House Games, rest in peace, he was one of the coaches. And then they, they brought a lot of guys from the East and West All Stars. So basically, you know, you had like the top 25 guys. I don't think Patrick came because he probably, they say he's gonna go number one. But I played well in there. And after that, I waited to draft. I didn't go to the draft because I didn't know I was gonna go first round. I went, they said the top four rounds, so I didn't know. So I went to my college house where we waited, you know, to draft. Then when it closed the draft, and got to draft, the, you know, time. My, I started like wow, from the fourth to the third to the second. Next thing I know, I went top ten.
0: And, and did you have an agent? Like it's not like uh, today where it's all sort of numbers and there's pre-draft. No. Like I you would, didn't know you were getting drafted that night.
1: I didn't know I was going to get drafted. No, I didn't know. Until like, they started calling my college coach. And then when time went by, I got an agent. But back then, it was just like, hey, I'm here. Um, they had a contact number. so That's crazy. They kept, yeah, it was real crazy. But uh, I ended up going with uh, Bill Pollard out of Washington. I met with David Fault and his crew, but I ended up going with Bill Pollard out of Washington.
0: And, you know, at the time, there were more players like you, a power forward. It was a traditional... Position it wasn't even evolved to the carl Malone. It certainly wasn't Tim Duncan. Power forward is kind of what it sounds like. Who did you even like? Who were your favorite players when you were in high school? Like who did you like? There's not like I'm to design my game and make it into a Charles Oakley game. Like who did you love watching play when you were a kid, a teenager? So
1: back then, you know, we didn't have all these channels and outlets to see, you know, right different games at one time. But I was a Cavalier fan and. um I knew uh, that summertime, right before I went to college, summer league. Like a lot of the Cavs guys played. You know, most of the guys on the city, like you know, Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago. Them guys played with like you know, younger guys. So I was into Jim Jones, Camby Russell, Mike Mike Mitchell. Um, they had Terry Frollo. So I was watching them guys.
0: And watch. World B I, was there when you World were B, free in K, college,
1: right? In K, right, a little later. Um, so my thing is, I'm just watching the game. I didn't even, I ain't trying to copycat nobody's style nothing. I was just watching people play, so that's basically. Then as I got older, you know this and that. When I went to college, didn't watch too much pro neither. So I was just trying to find myself. That's all.
0: Um, I don't want to go down the Michael Jordan rabbit hole because I know you get asked it all the time. The one game I want to ask you about, and the the dynamic of it, because one of the things that I hold so um, that's so personal and so important to me about Madison Square Garden today still, even though the Knicks suck. Currently today of of this podcast, the Knicks are back to sucking. We're back to sucking along with the Lakers and along currently today with the Brooklyn Nets. But the Madison Square Garden is the only arena left in the league that has all its history intact. The fabulous forum where the Lakers did their thing. Um gone. Staples Center isn't even Staples Center. Chicago Stadium, where the Bulls win their, their series. Boston uh, Garden. Boston Garden is gone. Madison Square Garden. It's been a little bit revamped. It's but it right. but it's still the same right. roof right. where Ollie fought Frazier. But the Boston Garden, you know, I've talked to people over the years. Was the Boston Garden a true shithole? Like, what was it like? What do you remember? What did it smell like? Like, I, they uh, said the locker rooms, like, you know, were cold. Like, what, what do you remember about playing in the garden? It was like playing in a, a box
1: with some windows in it because it was still cold in there. The water didn't work. The flow had dead spots. It really did. Uh, the popcorn was stale. <laughs> and the hot dogs were cold if you ate hot dogs. But, uh, I mean, it was, hey... We didn't cry about that. We sucked it up and played through it. I mean, they played in and we can play through it. That's how it'd be tough-minded, and you the team. I mean, the Vans was—they knew it was gonna be cold, but we got to find out it was gonna be cold.
0: Were those fans those those rabid old school '80s Boston Garden fans? Where would you put them in terms of the ones you, you that were the nastiest? Like, what arena was the nastiest?
1: I don't. You, hey, Philadelphia. No matter where you go, feel in the it. spectrum. Philadelphia you talking about for us fans or the, on the locker room the fans the fans it got to be Philly over it, Boston Philly over Boston yes i ain't never had a problem with boston a lot of boston fans like me for some reason and to this day airport i'm at dinner in different places they always oh, i'm from boston i like you when you played but i like how you played you know what i'm saying a lot of that
0: now the game that i want to talk to you about in just that time the, the michael jordan 63 point game uh, versus the Celtics, time, I Larry, Robert Parrish, Mikhail. they had the whole yeah, deal. Yeah. What do you remember about that game? What do you remember about playing against those guys? You would guard... Bears, um, Mikhail. and they had Cedric Maxwell, I think. He was bad, too. Yeah. And uh, what's his name, who was always on the bench with the fucking towel? Carl, M.L. Carr. M.L. Carr, I hate that <laughs> motherfucker, <man. laughs> Yeah, he was the chili on the team. But what, first of all, what was it like playing against Larry Bird?
1: I mean, you knew you had to know your craft. Uh, he, he real crafted himself. Uh, I mean, he just played the game. And a lot of people said Bird talk. I didn't hear Bird talk a lot, but I mean, they were stacked. They got four Hall of Famers. I mean, they was, when you get them type of players in the same team, and plus guys can play together, that's the key too. And they knew they rose. Right. And you, know, you knew they was going to win.
0: And what about Mikhail in
1: the post? McHale okay, was tough. I mean, Why? He had the best up and on this. He was long, uh, you know, not real physical, but he he can play the game. He can shoot outside. I mean, he, like I said, this length, you know, he can block shots. You, get, you know, he can come over your back for second, put back, rebound. He was just good.
0: Yeah. And who would you say throughout your years was the – person hardest for you to guard where you were just like, this, this guy's a, this is a problem to to contain in the post because basketball has changed so much. You know, we just, the guys we mentioned uh, on the Celtics, but everybody had a power forward who, 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 but it was a different kind of basketball. It's like, who is the guy or the guys throughout the years where you were like, this is a challenge. I mean, it
1: probably had had to be Cab McHale because he was just, he was, he was a problem. I mean he was so crafty with his his game um
0: and when you're looking at kevin mckill are you like you look like shit you don't look like you should be playing basketball your haircut looks like shit are you just like would he frustrate you because he was so like it's so tricky and he's spinning and he's drop stepping and he's doing this wild sh- like is it hard like it must have been not, not really and he looks like shit
1: yeah I, I <laughs> do you know what I'm saying like the thing is with Boston well, they got oh it was it was like when you I guess when you win, you get the call i know we we th- we went through the same thing with Chicago when they started winning, it was hard to get a call with boston you you couldn't keep it close. I mean some kind of way, I hate to say it, it was, I don't know it was you know we were getting a bad whistle, but if they close some kind of way, they was gonna get a big call thing they had with Chicago, it just kept happening when we played. You mean when you were with the Knicks and they started rising? Yes. Yes. But, uh, I mean, like I said, they had a lot of great players, <laughs> but I guess it's just, it was just their time. It wasn't my time.
0: When you see all the, the last dance and in Michael Jordan history and in NBA history, whether they're talking about Larry Bird, whether they're doing a thing about the Bulls, whether they're doing a thing about the Celtics, what do you remember about Jordan's 63-point game?
1: It was just, you know, he was just coming back from an injury, and um, I know earlier was telling him he wouldn't be able to play. You know, they were gonna keep his minutes down, and he told him, "If I'm gonna play, I want to play the whole game." And once he got that, you know, to the management head and this and that, he just came out like, "You can't hold me back." And just, it was amazing that, you know, it was an incredible game. You know, and even though I was in playing it, but you just like. He was going through his leg, you know, like these guys doing now, and just stepping back and nothing but the Nets. No matter who Boston was putting on him, he was taking him to school.
0: And watching him go from, you know, star to freaky deaky, like, you know, icon, you know, that's your guy, so you have right. a different perspective on it. You know, as a kid, you know, and everybody else in the world, you know, how crazy was it watching somebody go from, you know, known to, like, pop star status? It was like right. Michael Jackson, Madonna. Michael Jordan, how wild was that to see? Like every time you went out, like to see that evolution of his fame. It's definitely took the steps
1: uh, from my rookie year, um, coming into the Bulls, and he embracing me, and we get we get to be close. He taking me to the All Star game in Dallas, and we just start. You know, I didn't see the the Eric from him, but he could have been early. But he just let life be itself, and it's a lot. It was a lot of stuff going on in Chicago at the time when I got there, and he waited to his turn, you know, till they got all the bad guys, or whatever you wanna say, off the team. And after that, he just took off. He just took off. After I got traded, two more years after that, he just took over the league. It went crazy, right? Oh, it went crazy. I mean, you know, he started winning, and then he win one, he win two, he win three, he retired, come back win three. And then, you know, so, it, that was, you know, what he did in eight years, you know, to win three, take two years off, come back win three more, and, It'll never be done before. Six MVPs, six championships. I mean, all the accolades, you know, that's how, you know, you put somebody on your back and win a championship. He did it.
0: Now, I know Scotty's your guy. Mike's your guy. When you see Scotty online on this interview talking about uh, Michael, do you want to— interject yourself like what, what is your take on scotty like why are they why is scotty pippen talking crazy about michael Jordan? Um, why oh, do you think i know you can't answer for i him. don't
1: know but in this book i talk about when they said jerry you know with the contract, jerry kraus with the contract with J- just let
0: me think, jerry Krause, the little guy who was rest vilified in, in the last dance rest, yeah, in peace, rest in peace who did draft
1: you draft me he put that team together i mean they might have said something else happened but i don't know why you know i mean Whatever you say about somebody uh whatever Scotty and Michael he got to live with it. My thing is my take is I think it's something bigger than basketball. uh I think it's something off the court, but you know, Scotty, you know that he know what he said um he wasn't happy about the last dance, uh, maybe you know he took it in a different way.
0: I don't know why he was it because he came off great, Michael, in my opinion, I'm just well, you know the shit that was probably not said things that. You were part of it. But for me as a fan, I don't know why Scotty feels like it was bad because he said without yeah. Scottie Pippen, there's, like he gave him every single bit of credit, I think.
1: Well, yeah, he did do all that. and he, he always do it. Mike, you know, uh, it's just the way I guess one year of the last dance, Michael, didn't, you know, he wasn't on the team, and they put that in the last dance. And from his aspect, they shouldn't have never done that. But this is documentary. right. So
0: and Michael didn't come off perfect in it either. He came off like a he, he, came, he, said, he came off like a motherfucker in that. He, came, he said some
1: things at the end. Why this? Why that? But like I said, you know, he's at least he's mentioned some things that he might have did wrong. But right, you know, I just wish it would never been a beef between them two because both of them my friends and both of them won six reigns together. I and, know
0: it doesn't yeah, help nothing. They
1: go they show you a lot of guys work together. Don't mean they can do other things together. You know, you get the. I don't think Magic and Kareem was tight. Right. Kobe and Shaq. Right. And you get other guys from different sports. You know, like Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham. So it is. Look at Odell. Odell about to gonna ring. Baker might. You know, might get traded. <laughs>
0: that's
1: your. That's your Cleveland Browns. I know they bad. They all that talent. They, they were talking about Super Bowl. First of all, you got to make the playoffs. to get Super, Super Bums. Bums.
0: <laughs> Come on, Oak. Come
1: on, Oak. Hey. Listen, man, I hey, your Cleveland Browns ain't shh. They they choked this year. Everything laid out for them. Just game manage the game, Baker. So they got a big thing to do. Are they going to be signed Baker or are they going to just let him go?
0: Who do you think, who do you got in the Super Bowl?
1: Wow, I love the coach of the Rams. And Cleveland, you know, it ain't the Cleveland Browns. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. So both of them got both the same initials. I don't know. Maybe at the end of the show, I'll, I'll have my answer.
0: Come on, Oka. <laughs> um, I know you. Go, you go to the Rams. I'm going for the Rams. I mean, yeah. you know, I for me, this Super Bowl, I don't have a problem with either team. Right. You know, I'm obviously they're not my team. You know, I wanted to see, although I hated him, I wanted to see Brady uh, uh, make it. Brady almost did it. All, he almost sick.
1: did the thing again.
0: Um. So I'm, I'm just going to enjoy the day. I'm going to enjoy right. snooping them. Or oh, the halftime, And yeah. that's going to be dope. Yeah, that's what
1: everybody waiting on a halftime.
0: So I think no matter what, if you're rooting for I think it'll be a good game and I think they'll be dope uh, performing, those guys.
1: So the last Super Bowl I went to was in Atlanta, New England, and the Rams. I left for halftime. Did I, you really? Yes, because I mean like three, what, six to three or three, something was it like that.
0: 27 to
1: three? Or? No, no, three to six. Halftime score. At oh, the Super Bowl. oh, right. So I watched the halftime show it was good. I like that. But after that, I, after the kickoff, I said, let me just get out of here. Cause and the score ended up being what, 13 to 10? Mm-hmm. 13 to 6. It was just crazy. No action. None. You know, and but uh I think the Rams, it's they they do. They've been building for this for the last three or four years since the last Super Bowl. They made some moves during the season, you know, Von Miller, pass rush, Odell, and Odell been playing great for them. So uh, they made some powerful moves.
0: It's gonna be good. Back to basketball. You come to New York, you know, the the teams, how close we came, mm-hmm. the Charles Oakley, Patrick Ewing, the Doc Rivers, the John Starks, the Anthony Mason, late, great Anthony Mason. I mean, it, it's funny because when, when I look back on those teams, we love those teams, although we never got it done. Right. But the reason why we love those teams so much, I think is because even though we didn't get it done, we went out on our shield. Those Knicks teams, you know, like it was, you know, you could say the Charles, I mean, there's so many fucking moments when I think about it, it it like puts me back as far as a basketball player when, you know, what do you want people to remember when they think of Charles Oakley, what do you want them to say? So in the book,
1: you bases can pitch them. From my style on the court into this, I put my style in this book, and just with the hard work to do it on, you know, coming up with my grandfather, being consistent in what you do, uh, the effort and the hard work into this book and on the floor, um, they can see that. Uh, just, you know, a guy who went to war every night, a guy had um, his teammate back, a uh, guy would do anything to try to get a win, you know, dive on the floor, dive in the stand, take a charge. Um, you know, I left on the floor.
0: That team was such a, like, a lunch pail team. You know, even the star, Patrick Ewan, you know, it, it wasn't anything flashy about his game. And then we got this coach, Patrick, uh, right. Pat, Pat Riley, who comes in with his slick hair, right. Showtime and all that stuff. I had Doc Rivers on this podcast, and he told me some crazy stories about Pat Riley. What was the real Pat Riley like as a coach? Like, he would say, like, these sticking his head in buckets of water and, like, I, you don't seem like the guy that needs to be motivated, nah, but what, what was Pat right. Riley like as a coach that you were like, this is not the guy, the Showtime guy that I thought he was? So
1: in the book, I talk about some things about Pat Riley, but what you just said, he had to motivate some guys. And sometimes that can rub other guys off. Of like, you know, you hear, you know, these guys, grown man, making money, got to come to practice, got to go through everything. And why you got to motivate them? So sometimes you can like, okay, on the court, you, you won't be on the court out there to motivate them. So you got to be a man yourself. But he did that. He did all kinda little of things. Like uh,
0: what? Give me one that you were just like, yo, this dude's fucking
1: nuts. But no, he um do like stunt stuff. You know, he was get a song of OJ's or Billy Joe and he'll play it 30 or 40 seconds and you basically know that he's trying to motivate somebody into the mode of the game that night. Uh-huh. You know, he just he just did all kinda of stuff like that. He just, you know, sometimes it might have been over the tops for guys who didn't need it, but he can prepare you. But I just think he held grudges against guys and this and that. He's he was something different. He was, you know. My thing is, I can play for anybody. My job don't change. You know, some right. guys can't take that. You know, you saying this or saying that. Uh, you know, just like some guys is real sensitive. Like this day and age, this new league is the new like, league is yes. So, but there was some guys like that back then. See, back in we always try to say the A's and now it, it was all that, but it has some little stuff that going on now in it too, but you never did see it because everybody was just working. You know, it didn't never come out like this. You ain't see a lot of weakness. Now you see a lot of weakness. It, it happened then, but if you only had to be a, a student of the game and you know that it happened.
0: This Iron Report Stereo podcast is supported by Manscaped. Manscaped is for men who do not like to risk getting a nick. Or a nip down there, fellas. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. It's the weed whacker and ear nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, bold deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. The Lawnmower 4.0 is, is the future of grooming, and dare I say, the greatest below-the-belt trimmer ever. It's waterproof, okay. It's also got an LED spotlight where you need that precise shave. The weed whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe TM technology. This thing's gonna change the world. Reduce nicks, snags, tugs, and those delicate nose holes take care of yourself go to manscaped.com and get 20 not 10 get 20% off and free shipping worldwide with the code Rappaport get 20% off and free shipping with the code Rappaport at manscaped.com manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping manscaped.com use the promo code Rappaport Now how did you choose which internet service provider to use? The sad thing is most of us have very little choice because ISPs operate like monopolies in regions they serve to prevent ISPs from seeing my internet activity. And trust me, I don't want everybody seeing all of my internet activity. I protect all my devices with ExpressVPN. My personal and professional data is safe thanks to ExpressVPN. So what is... Express VPN it's a simple app for your computer or smartphone that encrypts all your network data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server just download the app tap one button on your device and you are protected Express VPN does all of that without slowing down your connection that is why it is rated number one you hear it on other podcasts you hear people talking about Express VPN because it is number one one visit expressvpn.com slash That's expressvpn.com slash wrappaport to get three months extra for free. Go to expressvpn.com slash right now to learn more and protect yourself at all times online. When you were playing for the Knicks, the 10 years that you played for the Knicks, it was 10 seasons, right? Yeah, yeah, well, one of my uh, theories why, amongst other things, and I'm going to get to it, one of my theories why young players do not want to come to New York is because the practice facility is way the fuck out there in soccer mom land. <laughs> you know, it's not in the city. I know. Um, as far as being a Brooklyn Net, if you play for the Brooklyn Nets, you get to be a New Yorker. Right. You're in Brooklyn. You could chill, you're, which is a dope place. Brooklyn isn't the same place right. when you were here. It's totally, you know, it's like its, it's own, you know, metropolitan city. If you play for the Brooklyn Nets, you can come to Manhattan and hang out. If you play for the New York Knicks, you're literally with soccer moms. You're 21, 22. We know 21, 22-year-olds do not want to hang out with soccer moms. So Mm. where were you living? What was your lifestyle like when you were playing for the Knicks?
1: Well, my thing was you want to be close to your job. I mean, I never want to stay more than 10 minutes away, 15 at the most from where practice. did not matter about the game because you, you have to drive to the city twice. we You got to practice four days a week. But practice was most important. Getting there, doing your work, doing your craft. You can stay over. You got to worry about the traffic coming back. Um, A lot of guys, this day and age, want to be in the city. I think it could be bad because once you start being in the city, the stuff happens, you want to hang out. See, we didn't hang out a lot when we played. Right. So that's why we try to be dedicated to our job. So it's part of the job. If you stay outside the city, that's part of the jobs. Other people had to drive to work to get to their jobs, too. So, yeah, guys didn't like it, but Patrick lived in New Jersey. Most other guys lived in Westchester. He still had to take, a, like, a 35, 40-minute ride. It's a
0: pain in the ass. You know. You well, lived in Jersey or you lived in Westchester? I live in Westchester, like 10
1: minutes away. 10 minutes from the, uh, practice maybe 12 minutes from the airport. So that's when you fly. They fly out of Westchester, so... Being in the city just mean it could be bad for, you know, you want to hang out somebody, call you, let's go do this. <clears throat> one dinner lead to 1 o'clock at night. The next thing you know, it's 2.30 in the morning. Then you got to get to shoot around. Some guys struggle getting back and forth, so.
0: And were you were you a partier uh, game nights? Like, what was sort of your deal when you were playing?
1: So, basically, my game nights was, you know, if I could, went out somewhere, I <clears throat> try to be back in by 11.30, 12, uh, you know, at the latest, you know. But uh, just relax, watch TV, you know, know what we have to do. You know, a game plan, we are know that from practice. So I really didn't hang out too much.
0: Going against the Bulls. Michael Jordan's your your guy. Scottie Pippen. You, you know these guys. Mm-hmm. When, when you look back, like, was it 92 we played these motherfuckers and we lost? Mm-hmm. The Knicks played the Bulls? Every
1: year except 93, 94.
0: <laughs> Every year these motherfuckers beat us in the playoffs. Right. I, how... Like, honestly, it's hard for me to talk about it because it's so frustrating. It was so demoralizing. Even though we we played him hard. We had John Starks trying every single trick in the book to fucking stop this guy. Mm. How hard... Was it to keep losing to those motherfucking Chicago Bulls and this guy? And didn't you just, like, at one point, like, you and Pat or Mace, like, we got to take this fucking guy out. I don't care if he's my friend. Somebody's got to take this fucking guy out. Because he was, it was like Superman, this fucking guy. Yeah,
1: I get what you're saying in this book. So a lot of times we talk about how we going to play him? How we going to do this? When we played the Bulls, it was one of them things I always say. We don't sub until they sub. It wasn't the point that he was going to the rim. He's. He was the best mid-range shooter in the game. So when somebody can shoot like that and somebody got the you know the eye of the tiger, I mean, what can you do? I mean, you can't take him out if he don't come to the rim. You just can't get a flick of fire because he's walking up the court. I mean, that's how Detroit did. Maybe we should have hit him walk, walking up the court, this and that. I didn't want to be known as a dirty player. Right. So things happened. And um, like I said, they was in our way. And. Just like a lot of in sports, a lot of teams be in your way, and and you got to soon or later you got to beat them. We beat them that one year, but Michael wasn't there. But that wasn't our fault, right? Uh, hey, it was it was it was a task every time we played them that, you know, we weren't gonna get no calls, and I mean it had to be a little physical with them, but that still to help us. I don't know what to say. We just we just couldn't get past them when we you know besides that one year we should I think we should have went to two or three finals, but. We you know, we just... Like, one year, we was up two o, Another
0: year... Was the two o the year the Atlantic City year?
1: Yes, two o Atlantic
0: City. Were you in Atlantic City? No. <laughs> Charles Oakley, were you in Atlantic no. City with this fucking guy?
1: No, I, went, I was in Atlantic have City. Have you ever
0: been asked that question before?
1: No. Okay, that's no, a good question. No, because if I was with him, they would have wrote it. You know, it would have been right. headline. Mike and Oak, in Atlantic City. Hanging out. Best two friends. But no, I wasn't there. I mean... I mean, he, my thing is, everybody keeps saying he was laying the city. They had off day. You can do what you want on your off day. I, but I, I know. Never had a problem he, with it. I know it made headline for New York paper. Oh, Michael Jordan! You know he could have went down there just for, I mean, whatever business meeting or dinner. But that's how the press was. But you know, he didn't have a good game that next game. But we lost. But hey. exactly. I don't know why we made a big deal of it. And then I, fe- it I didn't do- help us. It seemed like the other guy stepped up. That's show sure you's a good team.
0: Yeah, and, and I feel like once it started becoming a thing, that's when he went crazy.
1: Yeah, we got, he got his second win. Like, okay, yeah, I want to talk about me in the paper? I'm going to do this on the court. So he took it out on us, telling the people in the press. <laughs> exactly.
0: When you said you weren't a dirty player, and I think that's, you know, last and foremost So we see the clips of you uh, fighting Paul McKeskey. We see the Rick Mahorns. We see, like, the stuff. Talk about the difference between being a physical player and and a dirty player, and why you clarify that you weren't a dirty player. Because I, I know you weren't a dirty player also. Uh,
1: Well, dirty players, you hit somebody's names, you know, not watching a dirty play. It's like what uh, Mikhail did to Kurt Rams, you know, just take him out of the air. I never took no one out of the air. So just play hard and tough. Um, you know, I'm going to put my body on you if you come to the hole. And I ain't going to just let, you know, it ain't just like, you know, a freeway, you just ride, you know, go down the lane at will. Right. You know. that, was, that was my job. So, I mean, people got their opinion, but I know that, you know, I didn't play like a few of the guys on the Pistons did, just try to re- end somebody's career. No. Who was the
0: dirtiest in the league at that time? Which guys were you like, this guy's a motherfucker?
1: Um, far so as like playing against, I ain't gonna say no one was like that. You know, I didn't have no problem with no one.
0: Not you. I didn't really get involved. No I one's mean, gonna fuck with
1: you. I, I don't get involved with other guys' game. I mean, like they said, Lamb Beer was dirty. I mean, I said, I didn't really see him do nothing dirty unless, you know, him and Barkley got in the fight. Well, right. that's like two females fighting. So
0: Right. <laughs> um, the Charles Barkley, I asked you about that. I know it's been asked. Right. You put it in the beginning of the book. You know, for me, it's like, and most basketball fans, especially at this point, everybody loves Barkley. Everybody loves Charles Oakley. The, you talk about it in the book. You talked about smacking uh, Otis Thorpe. There was a situation.
1: Uh, well, no, he elbowed me and then elbowed me again. No, I ain't smack him. I punched him.
0: You punched him. Right. So I wanted to ask you about the craft of smacking. There's been mentions of smacking Charles Barkley, uh, this one getting smacked. You, Charles Oakley, in your day, Maybe your day could be today, but in your day, <laughs> how do you make a choice between smacking the fire out of somebody or two-piecing somebody? Is it a calculated thing? Was the Barkley thing a choice? What is your sort of perspective what, on smacking versus uh, punching? Because I have a perspective. Well, Barkley, I feel like smacking it was, is more it was just humiliating.
1: To let him know that he, you know, one time in the game, he had hit me on my chin, and then that lockout, you know, he was talking trash. And I said, you know, he had said something about the Knicks. So, well, you know, Knicks is going to always be with me in some type of place. But he had said something about the Knicks, and I I said, so the next time I see you in the paper, I said, this: I'm just going to smack you. I ain't said punch has been a different thing. I might have got a case. I just smacked him. So I was trying to protect myself. So I just smacked him when I had a seat.
0: Do you uh, – have you seen Barkley? Yeah, I've seen him. At NBA events?
1: Uh, I seen him at Dominique when they they made a statue of Dominique in Atlanta. I seen him one time in it was in uh
0: Lake Tahoe. I seen him a few times. And do you guys say what's up or is it no what's up or you just keep it moving? I mean, he don't I'm uh
1: not really. He looking around the room when I'm in the room, so I just have a seat.
0: And I talked about uh Scotty and Michael, and you know, you've it's it's in the book. You explain it more the last enforcer. Uh, which we need to make a New York Times bestseller especially New York Knicks fans, Toronto Raptor fans, you need to buy the book. The Strife, the you've made comments about Patrick Ewing um who you know Patrick Ewing is probably the biggest mystery in terms of a New York Knicks cuz he wasn't a, you're not a big talker. Patrick, you know, was the leader of the team uh, but he kept things close to the vest. He kept things close to the vest at Georgetown. What was Patrick like? as a player that frustrated you. We know what made him great. Uh, we know the missed shot. Everybody missed shots. It happens. You know, I never held that against him. Players miss shots. But w- why are you not a Patrick Ewing fan? I'm a fan. It's just
1: something, like, <laughs> in this book, I explain. like, I just didn't like when he um, shoot out of double teams. And I think we never, so much. Wasn't time. that all the time? It was enough that I think it hurt us at the right at the moment that for us to make it to the next level, and I think that when you shoot out double team, that means the team want to double team you to take the ball out of him, but he still shot in double. So when you ever you get double team, you still shoot, you hurt your team. Like, right. The biggest thing in in the final against Houston was when the team we double team him because he was getting, you know he's working Patrick a little bit, and uh, we double teamed him and he did the right thing. He kicked the ball out to the rookie Sam Cassell. Right. hit the biggest three ever. Right. And I think that uh, in that series, Akeem showed that he was a way better center than Patrick, you know, especially if you're supposed to be the franchise player.
0: But in terms of, you know, kicking out a double team, but also, would the coach, would Riley say, kick the fucking ball out? Or would Riley say, we're going to go with you, Pat? Like, is it? it,
1: Riley said when he runs fist down, get the ball in the post to Patrick and let Patrick do his thing, you know. It's just like they trying to blame uh, Russell Wilson and Seattle. They're trying to say the defense carried him. They said, let Russ cook. So every time Russ cook, the food don't taste good. Right. So every time he shoot a fadeaway, that hurt the team.
0: Right. But it seems like it's more. and And, again, it bothers me because even, like, Michael and Scotty, who I don't have an affinity, like, You and Patrick, those weren't my guys. I hated those motherfuckers. I hated that fucking Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan. I I fucking hated them. Oak, I I stopped wearing Jordan until about three years ago because, (laughs) you know, when he first came out, I wanted to be like Mike, like everybody else. And then I was like, fuck him. Uh, He's a major problem. Fuck, I want to bury Mike. Uh, But, you know, you and Patrick, when we see those pictures of you and Pat, you and Oak, you and Starks, you and Doc, and all that stuff. Uh, Doc Rivers, you know, you and Patrick. You've said things about him. Uh, you know, do you feel like this has been like a breach? Like, do you understand how why it upsets the fans, and and why is it? Like, is, is Patrick Young a good guy, not a good guy? It was he arrogant. Like, what was his deal? Yeah, I mean, a
1: lot. You said a lot of stuff. It just he could have been a way better teammate. And I think that in this book, we you know. I think that um, he didn't have nobody back. He didn't have my back. How so? In no way. Not even even talking about the incident in New York. I'm just saying, like, just, you know, guys needed someone. This will be, you know, he's our dream team guy. He's our all star. He got all the accolades, but you couldn't come and talk to him about, you know, you having problems or this and that going on. He couldn't, communication was bad. Mm -hmm. And this is our leader. So, Guys start so losing respect for him. Mason, all the guys, you know, Mason didn't respect Patrick. Right. I mean, Mason's be mad at, a lot, madder than me, because he didn't throw the ball of the post. But he's go to Pat Riley, and tell him every day. I mean, so I think Patrick got Mason traded, quite as kilt.
0: But shouldn't some of this we we blame on Pat Riley and Jeff? Uh, no, Jeff Van Gundy. I blame them, but I blame this guy for be a guy
1: who you, you hear about how the Chicago Bulls said Michael Jordan. Start trusting his guy. I got you. Making them, you know, the BJ, when Curry hit the shot,
0: I got Paxson
1: hit the shot. So I'm keep saying about these guys hitting shots, that means they best player pass it to them and give them a the chance to make the shot. I got you. He didn't do that.
0: What is a leader of a basketball team to you? And who are the leaders? You know, it's a few different, you know, stage of the leader, yeah. Yeah, you know, but who who are the leaders of that first um, you know, New York Knicks crew, the power rally team, the, like the voice, the players, who are the, the leaders that you remember? Were you the leader? And what is a leader of a basketball team? Because when you get to the NBA, it's not like, or maybe you do need, do you need, come on, guys, let's go. What is a leader of a basketball team a leader, for you?
1: A leader is someone who do, go by example, you know, uh, working for work, uh, you know, practice early, stay at the practice, there for the guys, you know, get guys together, take them to dinner, see where they you know temperature at. You know, like during the course of a season, you okay? That the family. I mean, this guy who just care about his teammates. I mean, uh, they say a lot of the guys can get along, but I see in New York we all stayed in different places. You know. You can see how sometimes your teammates loafing. Some might be wrong. Is your family okay? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, whatever. You need to lend them money. You know, I would think I was that guy. You know, stuff on the court happened. I'm the first one there. Stuff, you know, guy, you know, get traded, call them. I mean, just be there. Right. And, and every way, not just basketball, off the court, you know, 82 games, everybody's going to have a perfect, you know, season. You know ups and down, You know somebody might. You know it might be something in the press got to one of the guys. You know, you read the paper, go talk to the guy. You know, know, 'cause like I say, sometimes it's gonna be some saying about you you might not like.
0: Listen to the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast There's a good chance You love sports As much as me If not more Gambling on sports Is nothing new But doing it From your couch Is with more and more States and sites Making it legal There's so much money To be made That's why me Michael Rappaport, the Dust Brothers, and my guy Ben Bowler have created Captain Picks, a.k.a. a community of winners. We have a team of captains that are making winning picks at NBA, NFL, NHL, college football, and basketball, plus live game betting and more. You can either have picks emailed to you daily, weekly, monthly, or join our Discord for up-to-the-minute plays and strategy. You don't have to be at this alone. Sign up at CaptainPicks.com today. That's CaptainPicks.com. Picks.com today and start winning tonight, today, ASAP. Worse than Michael Jordan, worse than Tom Brady when he played for the Patriots, the athlete that I hated the most was Reggie fucking Miller and those Indiana Pacer teams. I hated that motherfucker. (laughs) You got the list. Oak, I hated that fuck... I, hated, I, I, I hated what he did in that one
1: game that I was on the bench. If you think not to cut you off. No, cut me off. In the Charles Smith incident, I was on the bench. In the, did this one? Charles in Smith? The, in the Reggie Miller incident, I was on the bench. I don't know why, but I was on the bench for some reason.
0: But Before we get to Reggie, and I need to talk to you about Reggie, but Charles Smith, when, when you guys get to the locker room after that, is it silence? I mean, I know no. it's just one play. It's not no, the game, and I know you don't blame item, Charles I Smith. Is, I never, I never like we all in fuck. college. He was dunking all motherfuckers, and now you're pump faking nineteen to college. He had the fucking box cut. He had the cool run, and now you what <laughs> yeah, the fuck I mean, dunked he,
1: the ball? Yeah, well, he was he was a good athlete. It's just sometimes he was just trying. You know, what is, he, I think he might have got fouled, but like I said, he
0: got fouled, dunked. The
1: well, the thing is, they're not going to call it on a team that been winning. Chicago was the face of the NBA. Sometimes they're not going to – some that You can't – you don't need pass, to call if you he dunked the ball. Patrick, he might, they might want to call it. But since Charles Smith, he's just like, you know, another guy on the team to the, the officials. The officials look at, according to who, who got the ball. You see that all the time. Some guys can get killed almost. They don't call. The next guy, if he got a name, he get called. So it's always going to be one or two bad calls in a game.
0: When you guys got to lock what year was that?
1: Ninety. Had to be ninety two, ninety one, ninety two. Was it ninety
0: one, ninety two? Yeah. Ugh. When you got to locker room after that, like, do you remember being? Is it quiet after those I losses?
1: Mean, ain't nothing you can do. I mean, sit there and just you know, you try to think back, what could I do when the game wouldn't have been in that position in one call and right. go against us and lose the game.
0: But is That's, anybody like, why didn't you dunk the fucking ball, motherfucker?
1: No. no, we ain't do that. You know, we ain't, you know, cause. I know it's just one anybody. play. I know like it's, you, it's one play. You said Patrick missed the
0: layup. I know. What's the difference? I Charles know. Missed one, he missed one. I know. Trust me, I know. I know. So, I know. I mean, we didn't get on Patrick cause he missed the layup. I know. I got it. I got it. Okay. Reggie Miller. Yeah. he, now, was,
1: he was a problem. Cause he do a lot of different attacks and stuff during the game throw you all, play mind games with you. But, I mean, he did it not just to us. He did it to everybody. I know he hit like eight points in nine seconds against everybody. He
0: did wild shit, though. Don't you think Spike Lee put him in a Hall of Famer? Until that, he wasn't a Hall of Famer. No. Oak, Spike Lee made, made him great. He was very good. Spike Lee made him great. He brought out another person.
1: No, I think he always played like that. Reggie, Reggie could play. I mean, you. I know he could he play.
0: Doesn't look like he can play, but he could play. Do you think it's weird that he's never gotten his teeth fixed, Charles Oakley? Do you think it's weird that Reggie Miller has never gotten his teeth well, fixed? Be honest.
1: He's Michael, so Michael Strahan never got his teeth fixed.
0: Yeah, but he. There's something cute about Michael Strahan's teeth. I would think after all these years, Reggie Miller would get his fucking teeth fixed. No, And when you, did you ever say to him, did you or any other Nick ever say to him, Reggie, to look at your fucking teeth, you look I, like shit.
1: See, I never talked to guys ah, on damn the course. It. I used to talk about the way he's dressed. Now, he was one the, he thought he's the best dressed. He won the worst dresser ever in the league. Period. Yeah. <laughs> but he's funny, though. He's funny. He's a funny guy, though. You know, he's doing a great job on TV.
0: He's great. But I got to be honest, Oak, I I saw him after he retired. I tried to make peace with myself. And then when that last (laughs) dance and he was up there, I was like, I just can't, I just can't fuck with him. I'm just like, you know, it's no disrespect. It's not personal. I just can't fuck with him. I, I, you know, I love all the players. He's just the one I just can't get over the hump with. I just, I can't, I don't like him Anything about him? Those teams that you were going against, those Indiana—I mean, I was at some of those games in Indiana. Those fans were but, fucked up out there.
1: Uh, but see, I don't get into fans like doing the game. I, like, I was in there. We like, thought we were going to get killed. I was there I, with Spike. I, I know. I think that uh, a lot of guys who you know, like now, it's more than ever. It's always a, a player pointing at a fan. Like, right? How you worry about the what the fans gonna say stuff? And I mean, I know it's a different time, different place. Ain't nobody saying shit to you though. Yeah, I, I mean, but they have a sign. Like, the guy in Philly writes up on the sign. I was your mother dinner last night. You know, they do all kind of stuff. But I don't know. I just didn't get caught in the fans. I love the fans in New York. I love, I love fans around other arenas because they show me love. But I don't have a problem with them.
0: I got you. But those Reggie Miller Pacers teams, how gratifying was it to beat them and how frustrating was it to lose to them? I mean,
1: I think when we missed the uh, pass, missed that finger roll. Ugh. I mean that that one would hurt more than anything. But Ugh. we we didn't have a problem beating them. It's just they beat that finger roll in them nine eight what eight points and nine who seconds. Who
0: cares? Who cares? Who cares how many was, points he had? No, no, I'm just saying.
1: No, it. I know, but it's them, like, who, fuck them. Him. Them hurt more than anything. But most of the time we had we it, was, it went down to the wire. We could beat them down the wire, but we couldn't beat the Bulls when we needed. That was only different, you know, but it was a great series, the Bulls and the Pacers.
0: Yeah, they were great with Detlef. Uh, yeah. No, I mean uh, Rick Smith.
1: Rick Smith, Derek McKee, the De- the Davis.
0: The Davis boys.
1: Oh, man. Yes. Jalen. Jalen. Who
0: I liked, and then you want to shave your head. Now, I can't fuck with you. Reggie Miller, I hated Reggie Miller so much, he had me hating... One of my favorite players of all time, lefty from Brooklyn, New York, Chris Mullen. I was like, Chris, I can't fuck with you now. (laughs) Like, I have to put you over here. Even Larry, like, I hated playing with Rezzy, huh? Oh, I fucking hated that fucking team. One of the things that I think is great about having you here is in this room, and you don't even have to say anything. It's been covered. It's been talked about. I've spoken about it endlessly I think the two people on this I Am Rapport Stereo podcast are the two people that truly dislike Dick Stain, James Dolan the most. James Dolan, I'm going to tell you, he's not saying anything. You're such a fuck. What you did to Charles Oakley, what you've done to the fans, if in fact the New York Knicks ever win a championship, and I truly don't think that's going to happen under your tenure because you're the asbestos. You, you fuck, you are the asbestos in Madison Square Garden. If we ever did win a championship, it might be three years, five years, eight years, nine years, you will be booed. I don't care if the Knicks come back in a seven-game series, in a last-second four-point play, and win in Madison Square Garden. You, you, fuck, will be booed because of the way you treated Oak, the way you treated me, the way you treated all the fans, the way you treated all the players. You're the fucking reason why LeBron James didn't come here. We all fucking know it. You're the reason why uh, the Knicks have that stink on them. You fucking did this. You've never done anything. You're a fake bluesman, okay? You're not a guitar player. You don't sing well. Your blues band sucks, Okay, your blues band fucking sucks. And, Oak, oh, I told you this. You know, I got tickets for being a high-level right. actor for years. When that incident happened in Madison Square Garden, I said, fuck it. And I had been warned once before, like, you know, tone it down about the team, but it was never anything personal. It was It I don't even remember. Fire this coach to players, whatever. But when that incident happened with you at Madison Square Garden, it offended me, and I had never even met you. Right. It offended me so deeply because you, the style that you played and that team and those teams, but particularly you, the style that you played represented mm-hmm. and represents everything great about New York. Tough, hard-nosed, lunch pail, go to work. Not the people that are on the front row, the Howard Stearns, the Ben Stillers, uh, the Spike Lees, the, not even the people that are in the second-tier seats. The way you represented was the guys in the blue seats. Right. And to see that happen, I don't care what the fuck. You might not have been having a great night. I don't care about it. In my opinion, Dolan, you motherfucker, you should have fucking left the arena. Because you don't fucking do that. That would never happen to ML Carr in Boston. It would never happen to Bill Lane B or Rick Mahorn in Detroit. It would never happen. It, would just, it just wouldn't have happened. And it was so offensive to me that after that, I went on Skip and Chin and I said, fuck this. I know I'm going to lose my seats. Fuck this fucking guy. You know, it just bothered me, uh, you know, so much. And I know it's like sort of been this internet crazy thing. When, when you look back, is there anything you could say about the whole situation? Like, you know, where, where does it stand with you? Because I, I don't glorify
1: uh, it. I talk about a little in the book. I, th- I want to thank you for taking the stand for me, but uh, it was just over the top. It was ridiculous. It never came down to that. It just he just showed his character. He he's not a good person. He's not a good person. And I think the fans deserve more <clears throat> in New York, and I think that uh, you know, number one is is the commission to do nothing. Finally, suspend him, and he made the whole league look bad. It made all of them look like they treat people like that. So. We had to see what happened. we in court, still in court, and, um, you know, it's crazy.
0: I'm going to tell you a story. So I don't get my free seats, mm-hmm. okay? I'm not banned from the garden, but they don't give me free tickets. Understandable. Right. Because I said, fuck them. Fuck your free tickets. I bought my tickets that night, too, but go ahead. <laughs> hey, you bought yours. Mm-hmm.
1: <sighs> Several
0: times. You bought tickets to the garden. Yeah motherfucker you made charles oakley buy tickets to madison square garden you fuck and and the thing about those teams obviously we're a little bit better now is that i would say like why is anybody going to see this fucking team go home and uh, watch netflix and chill watch sex in the city go to see cats on broadway why the fuck would anybody pay to see that fucking team and charles oakley had to buy tickets to watch your team? You fuck you? The thing about Dolan, I'll tell you this. So this year, friend of mine has courtside seats to some games. Mm-hmm. You know, they always get a list of who's going to be sitting there. Right. Oh, yeah. So I go to the uh, the game against the Lakers this season when LeBron had gotten suspended for the situation in Detroit. Right. Sitting there courtside, minding my business. I don't want no trouble. I've n- I've never been a heckler anyway. Right. You know, I've never been... Like, I might say... Like, my, my best heckling that I've ever did live was when Mason was with the Miami Heat. I was in Miami for some reason, and they were playing um, the Utah Jazz, and I said to Carl Malone, I said, why don't you elbow Mace? You won't do that shit to Mace. That was as far as I took it, right. which wasn't anything, like, well, disrespectful, yeah. whatever. But I'm not a heckler. That's not my thing. I've said things to Reggie Miller, but it's never, like, disrespectful... Or anything like that. I keep it within the confines of basketball. So this game, I specifically wasn't doing anything because they knew I was coming to the Garden. I was happy to be back to watch the team. I was a guest of my friend, so I didn't want to, like, blow him up. I didn't say anything the whole time. I'll just say this. Allegedly, the owner of the Knicks... Was so upset that I was at the Garden. He called, allegedly, the person that got me the tickets and and was like, why is he here? He shouldn't be here. Um, He's not a good person. All the things he said about the team, all the things he said about the Garden, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. No incident. I get invited to another game. They said, you can't bring him to the game. Put him in the bleachers. You want to put me in the bleachers, James Dolan, you fuck. The bleachers? I don't sit in the fucking bleachers. I'm Michael Rappaport. You sit there like this, like a fucking miserable shit with your girl, uh, with some girl that you're always with. There's always a girl there. You leave. You sit in the fucking bleachers, James Dolan. You fuck you. Anyway, now I can't sit on the wood. So I can't sit on the fucking so wood.
1: The thing is, he didn't send eight people to try to exile you out, though. I but he did to me. I didn't say nothing. I mean, some of the stuff you might be saying. I might be saying something, but I ain't said nothing right to him. I, you know, said something about the, you know, team ain't going to win 50 games out of 82, this and that. But I didn't, you know, says, you know, he probably heard you said more than what I said, but. Yes. I don't know. It just took it. He took it personal to me. Just, I don't know why. Just That's you being like, there. Never met him. Never met the man. Did
0: you never come? You never came even when he was the owner?
1: No. No. Met his dad. Dad was nice. Had, you know, they from Cleveland.
0: Right. They from Cleveland. James Dolan, I didn't know that. You're from Cleveland, you fuck you. You're from fucking Cleveland, and you do this to a guy from Akron? You fuck you. That's even worse. I didn't even yeah. know that.
1: These, um, the Jacobs, uh, who owned, the uh, Cleveland Indians and all that, they were, like, cousins, first cousins. And, you know, so, yeah, he's from, they're from family, from Cleveland.
0: Now, have you ever listened to any of James Dolan's blues band music? No.
1: Really? You know what we should do? I heard he threw someone out because they said something about Oakley and he got the person at, he liked getting people at school out of places. He got a license for that, I think. Cause, you know He, he likes that. He got a kid thrown out the garden. Yeah. He got a lawyer thrown. I mean, he just I don't know.
0: next time we do a podcast, could we do it um as a gag, we could do a a James Dolan Blues band listening party. You and me, we could sit there and talk about how trash your band is. Your music's trash, you fuck. Anyway, Oak, uh, are you going? Now, here's another thing. I'm, I'm going to say it on your behalf. No disrespect to the great Dominique Wilkins. No disrespect to the great Bill Walton. The NBA All Star game is coming up. It's in Cleveland. Yes. I am a former celebrity game MVP. Okay. Okay. I'm, I won the MVP, Oak. You, so, Amongst other things. So you should be an assistant coach or something. You know. No, you uh, should be assisting. You should be coaching. that yeah. Again, no disrespect to Dominique. Everybody loves Dominique. Right. Bill Walton. Um, are, are you going to the NBA All-Star I'm game? I'm in
1: Cleveland. I'm, doing, I'm having an Oakley Foundation All-Star weekend events. I'm going back, doing stuff in the city, of my school, uh, giving back. Um, I had called the NBA about trying to be a partner, and they said nothing they can do to help me.
0: Really disappointing.
1: Yeah, me too. And it's in my city. Yeah, they never asked me to do anything.
0: And talk about, you know, you, you don't put it on front street. But, you know, when we were doing the big three, right. every city, not every city, but a lot of times right. when we go from city to city, whether it was Atlanta, whether it was, I mean, we went all over the place. Talk about when you uh, cooking for people and what right. that means to you and break that down. Be a little bit, you know, unhumble about it. No, I
1: mean, that's something, you know, like I say, Growing up, my, my grandmother used to do that. My aunts, my sis, you know, everybody, mother, always, like, wanted, on holiday time, give back to the people who don't have something. But when I was coaching the big three, we was going to city, low incomes, you know, uh, trying to uh, shelters and stuff. So we was fine. Before we get there, we will know what we're doing, how many people we're going to cook for us. So we had to get 200, 300 people. we get a little staff together. i go cook the food, and we was taking it to the people's. And, you know, like Super Bowl weekend, I'm going out to L.A., I'm going to do Skid Row again. Mm-hmm. And I think that— uh, Why do you do that? Just because I know them people out there in Skid Row, they need help. They need a good meal. And most of them won't be able to watch the game, so we're going to get a big uh, screen TV, invite, you know, at least five or 600 people and um, hope that they can have a good time. That's what my foundation all got hungry. We're going to do that for more years to come and— just try to make it easy for people. And I know that the people at Skid Row are going to enjoy it. I know the game is in L.A., but still, though, they don't have TV. They don't know when, when their next meal coming from. So we're going to make sure they get a good hot meal on Super Bowl Sunday.
0: Real quick, in the NBA today— uh, what teams do you like, what teams do you not like currently? Obviously, well, you know, right. the, the Nets could change with one, you know, right. Kevin Durant playing, you know. W- w- what's your take on the landscape of the
1: NBA? Landscape of the NBA right now. So basically you have to go out west. It's going to be your Phoenix and uh, Golden State Warrior, Memphis. Um, I thought L.A. will maybe be in, in that little circle, but L.A., they're not playing well. You come Why from, aren't they? I do you think know.
0: they're shitting on Russell Westbrook too much? It's not his I, totally his fault.
1: Well, somebody gotta take the blame. Uh, most times, you know, they, they give it to the coach. But when you shooting forty percent from the field, having six 7 turnovers a game, I mean, they can they can point their finger at you. And you for be a leader, been in the lead thirteen years. So my thing is, they just, they just don't have good chemistry. I know they say LeBron needs shooters, this and that, but they don't have no AD. Been out sixteen, eighteen game. LeBron been in and out. So they got a lot going on. They you know for be a championship or nothing team. But they don't play like that now. They what three games on the five hundred. Mm-hmm. So you go to the East. Um, I think Milwaukee is showing that that's why they won a championship. They you know they had they've been struggling, but they rising to the top. Miami um, underdog probably would be. I was thinking Chicago, but I think it's gonna be Cleveland. Because Cleveland just got to, you know made a big trade. Cleveland is good. Brooklyn, KD is hurt right now, so. I know the but you know, everybody wanted to see LA and Brooklyn in the championship. It don't work like that. Yeah, I know. You know. But but don't like What do you think about how things worked the last two years of football? The two home teams playing at home in the Super Bowl, Tampa Bay and the Rams. But, but I know you gotta win. You, it's a it, season long season. You,
0: you know, like even, even listen, you know, they talk about great players that didn't win championships. You talk about uh Patrick, we talk about Carmelo. we talk about Allen Iverson. You know, I'm sure if it was the rules that are going on in the NBA now, you know, uh, did Carl – no, Carl didn't win one. No. Um, you know, Gary won his in, in Miami. Uh, you know, there's plenty of great players that are not going to win championships. Right. I call it actually the Charles Barkley effect because for years, Shaq, Kenny, and whoever was up there with Barkley, right. you you know Barkley's a great player. But every time they would want to shut Barkley up, they go, you ain't got no rings. Right. You ain't got no rings. And I think for 25 years, these kids have been watching me like, I don't want to be Charles Barkley. And I'm like, fuck that. You know, like the Brooklyn Nets team and the L.A. Lakers team, it's like they'll do anything to get that ring. Like, you know, like if the Brooklyn Nets won a championship, well, this year they've been through something. If somehow they won a championship but last year, it's like, yo, you haven't been through adversity. You haven't been bumped out of the playoffs. It's just like you got the best guys – you show up at the park with this crew and you stay on the court all day. I don't think there's any like, would they cry? Would they would there be that Michael Jordan on the, you know, ground, you know, crying moment? Because they didn't go through anything. It's just like this contrived team.
1: Well, I think in this day age, in this game, for us like championship, you go for a job in the NBA or any kind of uh position gotta do with they always like, you know commentating this and that. They, if you see everybody, maybe it's up Charles Barkley, most of the guys you see, you know, Reggie Miller, he on TNT. But most of the guys in football or basketball, they want you to have a ring. And then they start talking about if you ain't got a ring like you're important. I, I don't get that. It's I mean, ridiculous. can't win. Same thing like you said. Everybody can't win, so don't hold it against me. I might have the talent to be, a you know, but they, they fail, You know they pick who they want to pick. You know, they ain't going to just, you know, so – You got to, like, coaching in the NFL. So many guys you can tell are going to be coaches. Just like NBA, you know, when most guys finish their career, you know what, this guy going, that guy going, especially late in your career or whatever. But it's not fair for them to always try to dictate if you don't have a ring, you can't be a part of this.
0: I agree. All right. The last enforcer, Charles Oakley, in bookstores now. Online, every single place you buy books, Uh, support the book, read the book, especially New York Knicks fans, Toronto Raptors fans, NBA fans. Read The Last Enforcer. It's a great read. It's an easy read. Uh, You'll learn more about him and you'll be so uh, swooped down memory lane, especially you, New York Knicks fans. You, Indiana Pacers fans, you'll love it too. Chicago Bulls fans, uh, you should read it also. Last Enforcer, The Great Charles Oakley, I Am Rap Poor Stereo Podcast done. Thank you.